What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent ya. Today's show, we're going to talk about the Blazers' two games over the weekend. Damian Lillard did not play. The Blazers won a fun one and then <laughs> lost a pretty troubling one. So we'll talk a little bit about both of those today. The win over San Antonio and the loss to the Charlotte Hornets in Charlotte. And we'll close the program with a little bit of positivity. Uh, that's because I'm anticipating <laughs> some negativity. According to my notes, there's, there might be some negativity coming in the first two segments. So I want to close the show with some reasons for optimism. Uh, if you're a long, if you're a regular listener, you know that optimism is maybe not my wheelhouse, but uh, you will get the opposite of that in the first two segments. So I want to close the show on some rosy notes. Reasons why the Blazers um, maybe not aren't in as deep doo-doo as it might seem they are right now. But first, we gotta talk. We gotta wade through that doo doo. I got a text from a uh, maybe a re- irregular listener, but someone who listens to the podcast who's who's related to me. Shout out to my uncle Matt. He texted me right after the Blazers lost to the Charlotte Hornets and said, "48 dameless minutes," and indeed it was. That's something I've been tracking all year: how the Blazers play without Dame. And if you'd asked me on Friday night, I would have said, "Hey, good enough." But he asked me on Sunday afternoon. Uh oh, uh oh. The uh, 107-106 win over San Antonio, and then 48 dameless minutes in that one too, and then a 109-101 loss to the Hornets, but the Blazers were down 20 at the end of the first quarter, and then just kind of clawed their way back and never really got within striking distance. Had the ball a bunch of times down nine, but um, your boy Carmelo took some crazy shots, and they needed to play perfect to have a chance in this one, and they didn't have their magician out there to do late-game magician stuff. Let's talk a little about Damian Lillard missing these games, and then we'll talk sort of the nuts and bolts of of what I feel about these two games. Dame missed uh, Friday and Saturday's game with what the Blazers are calling right hamstring tendiopathy, tendonitis in his hamstring, and a hamstring issue is what they're calling it. Uh, It was, you know, the the timing of the injury report um, is is somewhat, I don't know, curious, but notable. Like he wasn't on, he wasn't on Thursday's injury report prior to the game. He showed up as questionable day of the game on Friday and then was ruled out prior to tip off hours prior to tip off. Not like he worked out or anything like that, but hours prior to tip off and then ruled out kind of on Saturday afternoon for sure. Not going to play Sunday. My read on this is that the Blazers looked at the schedule and said, we might be able to beat the Spurs and we might be able to beat the Hornets on the road without Dame. And it's it's so crucial. Like if, if you've been following this team, you've been watching this team, he he looks, Dame looks beat up. He looks like a dude who's just a little beat up. And I think uh, they looked at this and said, this, if we're going to rest him because our schedule gets so tough, this is where we steal some time. Uh, we'll see if, if he's still in the injury report Tuesday or doesn't play and this and this becomes a more serious thing. But my read on this is that um, they said, if we, if we don't play him on Friday, we don't play him on Sunday, he gets one full week off before a back-to-back against the Clippers and the Nuggets and we want to beat the really good teams we think if if we are going to pick a spot to rest Dame this is these are as easy a games as we have for the rest of the year I mean the Blazers just schedule is brutal um, these really are two of the worst teams that they're going to play for the rest of the season which makes the Charlotte loss even more troubling more on that in a moment but my overall read on this is that this was this was a way to rest Dame right this wasn't this isn't I don't read this as um like sort of a really troubling um, 
a really troubling injury thing. I more read as the Blazers saying, you know, he's been dealing with a bunch of stuff. This the, the hamstring thing is among the issues that he's been dealing with. This is a legitimate injury. He's going to miss some games, miss some, and we're going to you know hold him out, and he's he's going to rest. He traveled with the team. Uh, something that you do if you're not you know super injured, you might stay behind. So I think all the tea leaves suggest that this is just sort of like a momentary thing for Dame, or or that this was a strategic thing by the Blazers. And quite frankly, many of you have been. Uh, sending me, you know, notes and tweets and all that. Um, and I've even seen this sort of from non-listeners say like, you know, they got to figure out a way to rest Dame. And I had jokes like, well, if they do that, uh, they're going to (laughs) lose. And then they, they came back and they beat, uh, San Antonio. And, and quite frankly, the final, they didn't play very well, um, in the middle two quarters of that game against San Antonio. They closed the third really well and they played well in the fourth, um, really big plays down the stretch, some crucial defensive plays down the stretch to seal it and a uh, stop on the final possession. <laughs> they maybe got away with some fouls, but whatever, if they don't call it, it's not a foul. Uh, but really um, like a legitimately fun game on Friday, legitimately fun ending to that one. Right. Um, I was, I, I had said, you know, they're going to lose without Dame, and then they come back and they, they play really well, and CJ looked fantastic, and Norm was really good, and they got um, positive minutes from Anthony Simons in the, um, in the, the sort of, in Dame's, like, the gap that Dame's minutes allowed for at guard, uh, and, and it was just like, okay, you know, this was, this was smart by the team, they steal a win, that's, you know, San Antonio is no pushover, winning in San Antonio is never easy to do, uh, you know, that's, that's that was a it was a good it was a nice win right like and and I was ready to say whoops uh, maybe I was being too much of a hater but the Charlotte game that really was the type of performance I was worried about N- not not the slow start like I don't think Dame miss Dame not being there is why they like were really bad on defense in the first quarter we'll talk about that in the second segment but um the the just sort of like when their margin for error gets super thin like late in the game when they were kind of vaguely in it down 11 down nine with with four and a half minutes left that they need they need their guy you know they just need their guy to to to, to pull him back there um and he wasn't there and I and I thought and and you know, and as good as Dame, as good as CJ is, Dame is a significantly better basketball player, and he's he kind of um, you know, and everyone falls in line behind him. CJ plays a better role. Like they're just their sort of comeback juice is so much better. Obviously, with Dame, not even just like clutch magic, but just sort of like okay, we need you know four good minutes in the third quarter to stay in this game, and the Blazers didn't do that. I thought, um, you know, I. I not that I thought like the Blazers were going to get rocked without Dame, but the like their their chances to get absolutely smoked without Dame are much higher. And I and this is why it's like you gotta. This is why you rest him now because if you rest him against really good teams, you have no chance. And if you rest him against bad teams or mediocre teams like the Hornets, you're going to put your your margin for error decreases to the point where you could have a troubling loss like they did. And that's what I want to talk about in the second segment. It was a, it was a troubling loss. Uh, I want to touch on that a little bit. Um, and also, there was a rotation adjustment. Derek Jones Jr. did not play a, a a minute, zero minutes, a DNPCD, did not play coach's decision for Derek Jones Jr. Ronnie Hollis Jefferson started in his place. Let's talk about what the hell's going on there. But before we do that, I want to tell you all about Indeed. If you're looking to hire people at your company, what you really need is help making your shortlist of quality candidates. And you need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet your must-have qualifications and schedule complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with the with and hiring the right talent fast and 
easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your job description immediately, and Indeed skills tests that on average reduce hiring time by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skill tests and add your own, and then add your must-have requirements. That way, you only pay for the applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. So get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. This offer is valid through June 30th and terms and conditions apply. Today's episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. You know Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. That's what they're doing. They're making delicious protein bars. If you are someone who has dabbled in the world of protein bars in the past, such as myself, you know some of them are dry and chalky and gross. You have opened them up, sunk your teeth in them, said, oh man, I cannot believe I paid for this. This stinks. You're never going to have a this stinks moment with Built Bar. They're delicious. All their flavors are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They got that candy bar-like texture. And in addition to being yummy, they're also low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high in fiber. So go get yourself some of these. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski takes you through all the major stories in every major sport with the help of our local experts. So make sure you follow Locked On Today on the Odyssey app or wherever you already get podcasts. All right, so we talked about Damian Lord missing time. Missing time for rest. The Blazers kind of, um, they got they they played with fire by resting their best player. He needs the rest. It's the right thing to do. But this was these were the possible outcomes. A close win and then a troubling loss. And I want to talk more about that troubling loss. In Charlotte, Charlotte missing four of their eight best players. Like, they were also injured. This wasn't like, you know, if the Charlotte was at full strength and the Blazers lost to him, it's like, man, that's a pretty good team. Bummer. But no LaMelo Ball, no Gordon Hayward, no Malik Monk, no Devontae Graham. Like, th- that team, that's not a good basketball team the Blazers just lost to. And the two sort of like big headlines from this one were one, the Blazers gave up 44 points in the first quarter, found themselves down 20 and never got back within like true shouting distance. Actually, I guess they stayed within shouting distance, but they never got back within uh, within a whisper of, of the Hornets. They never got close enough that they could use their indoor voices. Uh, they were they were always shouting. Uh, I think it's probably the, the correct way to use that metaphor. They just, uh, you know, down 20, down 14 at the half, back down 20. Uh, looked like, look just unfun, unfun. That's the most damning thing you could say. I asked Terry Stotts after the game uh, about, you know, how does this happen? How do you have this this slow of a start? Like, how do you account for it? Um, he said, you know, we talked about we got to we gotta start strong. We got to have a good defensive first quarter, come out of the gates. Like, but how does it happen? And I was, you know, if you've listened to this podcast, you know that I don't expect a lot from Terry Stotts's quotes. I don't, um, I'm not like looking for him to be like super enlightening when he, uh, when in the post game interview, it's just not what he does. But that I was offering that question as a chance to do a couple different things. One, 
accept personal responsibility. Say, you know, this team just didn't look prepared and that falls on the coaching staff. I knew it wasn't going to do that, but that's an opportunity. The other opportunity that you have is to blame the players. Uh, say, you know, we talked about it and the guys just have to execute and they didn't. I didn't think he was going to do that either. And he did. He chose option three, which was a word salad that means nothing to to just, you know, sort of reiterate what happened. Our transition defense was bad. Um, we got, you know, they made a bunch of shots and we didn't def- and we didn't defend well and they made shots and that combo put us in a hole, but we were really bad. Yes. Cool. Um, so it's not like I'm going to play you that audio because it's not particularly enlightening, but uh, I just want to sort of uh, take you, take you behind, <laughs> take you inside the mind of this podcaster. It's why I don't um, weigh a lot into the Terry Stotts quotes. But that, the first quarter was troubling. It's why they lost the game. Notable in that very first quarter, though, was who was in the starting lineup and then, importantly, who was not. On Friday against the, Sa- against the Sacramento Spurs, against the San Antonio Spurs in San Antonio, Derek Jones Jr. got the start at small forward. He played 19 minutes in that game, finished scoreless, 0 for 2 with two boards, both on the offensive end, had a steal, a block, an assist, and the Blazers were outscored by 15 points in his 19 minutes. Blazers, um, they didn't have nearly as bad um, as the second quarter that got them against San Antonio. It wasn't, it wasn't the, the first quarter. The first quarter, though, was bad against the Hornets. And guess who wasn't in that starting lineup? Derek Jones Jr. That's because Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, he of the second 10-day contract, he signed a second 10-day deal. He will st- stick around for at least nine more days. He got the start. And Rondé Hollis-Jefferson finished with seven points, five boards, did not, one of five, but missed his final four shots, including getting three shots blocked, went five of six at the free throw line, and was and the Blazers were outscored by 18 in his 22 minutes. I don't think comparing Rondé Hollis-Jefferson to Derek Jones Jr.'s stat lines is particularly useful. I just wanted to read them to you because it wasn't like Hollis-Jefferson blew Derek Jones out of the water. He was more productive in terms of counting stats, but if you watch the game, he was not very good in my opinion. He wasn't terrible. He just didn't, this just wasn't an obvious upgrade. And if, you've, if you're familiar with this podcast, um, if you're familiar with me, <laughs> you know that I'm not like a big Derek Jones believer. I don't think this dude, I don't think Derek Jones is like a, a surefire starter in, in the league. I'm not sure he would start for half the teams in the NBA, but I do think he's pretty good. Like, I think, he, I think he's like a top, I think I said this last time, he's a top like four through nine guy for basically every team in the league. That means he's, he's like your fourth best player if you're a not very good team. And if you're a good team, he's like your ninth best player. He's like, he's your third forward or fourth forward off the bench, depending on how, how stacked your roster is. Like he, he deserves to play probably every night. There's also like the politics of it. He was the Blazers sort of big free agent signing the guy who they brought in, they signed, gave, you know, $10 million annually over the, over two years. Although he has a player option, well, that might come up. Right. Um, but for next season, but for this year, you know, 9 million bucks, almost 10 million bucks to, to be their starting small forward. He started from day one. I think it was a plan from day one. It was Neil's plan from day one. You know, he said, I think we're going to start Derek Jones and Robert Covington. He, this is how how the front office, you know, made the signing and envisioned the roster. Uh, Terry Stotts obviously does not, and I'm not one that's that thinks like Derek Jones has to start and is like so much better than these folks. In fact, I like the three guard lineup with Dame, CJ, and Norman Powell much better than Derek Jones in there. I'm not even sure Derek Jones deserves like a big minute uh, uh, role, but I will say this: he deserves to play. And 
The troubling thing is not that Derek Jones Jr. didn't play. That that doesn't that to me I I don't really I'm not like highlighting and circling that a million times. What I am, what I will say is Derek Jones f- seems to be the player that Stotts is comfortable sitting because when other guys struggle, they don't get got. When when Carmelo Anthony struggles, his minutes don't don't get. Uh, reduced when Cantor just isn't a good matchup he plays about the same number of minutes Derek Jones Jr. seems to be the guy that that is getting left out and it's not in it's not I don't think it's like this crazy important thing for oh my gosh I can't believe Derek Jones Jr. didn't play it's hey isn't it troubling that there's one dude who has to sort of eat it when things go wrong and it's him. I, I joked on a previous podcast that uh, Terry Stotts doesn't have a dude he yells at. I, I think Derek Jones is the guy. Uh, I also don't think there's more to read into this. I think this is that Terry has made it clear that he he's not uh, much of a believer in Derek Jones and DJ. He's not much of a believer. And this was the latest step in that direction. Uh, he's... Terry's always leaned vets. Not that Derek Jones is like so young that he doesn't... He doesn't uh, get isn't going to get minutes or whatever, or doesn't like it wouldn't get minutes in like a normal Terry rotation. But uh, it's it's he seems to have leaned towards Nazir Little, even though he's been a little bit resistant to do to play him big minutes in 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 most games. But I think I think the Derek Jones stuff is more notable for Derek being the guy that catches the hey we need to to change things versus anyone else in that forward rotation. You know, maybe Nas gets dropped a little bit, but he's kind of on the fringe of it anyways. Um, and Jones got early in the season a ton of opportunities. He was guarding the highest usage player, like the star on every team. He got a ton of opportunities. And, and, and I don't think he was very good, but I don't think he was bad enough to get benched. And I certainly don't think he's bad enough to get benched. And then when you get a look at Rondé Hollis Jefferson in the first half, you're down 20 at the end of the first quarter and 14 at halftime to say, yeah, let's just stick with it. There's no reason that we need to go, like, there's no reason we need to change things up. The, the, the indictment of Terry here is the, I'm going to make this decision for a full 48 minutes and not adjust. And I am going to make this decision. This is the type of decision that would only come down on Derek Jones Jr. To me, that's that's the most notable thing because I am not of the belief that Derek Jones is so good or so effective that he doesn't um, deserve like that he deserves to play big minutes and play every night. Like it's if if the sort of you're going to get benched till we figure it out kind of carousel went around and it was like, hey. Nurk, you've sucked the last couple of days. You got it. You got to sit. I'm not advocating for that, but if like if this is if if it was sort of like a equality of benchings or equity of benchings, then I wouldn't. This wouldn't stick out to me. But Derek Jones seems to be the guy who has to just take it on the chin. He's the yell guy. He's the he's the guy Terry just doesn't care for and doesn't doesn't see it with him. And I think it's it's more damning because a game that's going south, there weren't there wasn't a rotational adjustment to say, whoops, I don't think Rondé Hollis Jefferson is the guy. We're getting smoked in those minutes. You know, not very good to open the third quarter after they weren't very good to start the start. Obviously, terrible to start the game. Uh, there wasn't a there wasn't an adjustment. They didn't they didn't go back to Rondé and say, "Hey, you get you know you get this fourth shift or whatever." But I mean, he played at the very end of the game. But it's it, the the damning thing is that it's that Derek is the one who catches who catches it, and that there wasn't an adjustment after that. Beyond that, I'm probably not going to be too outraged, but it was notable. And after the game, when Terry Stotts was asked about it, he gave another word salad that basically was saying like, I don't, 
the like sort of translation of Terry's without playing the audio for you is I wanted to get a look at Ronnie Hollis Jefferson and Derek Jones hasn't helped us get where I want to go. And he's the one who's going to get benched now. There's really nothing crazy to read into this. This is just the coach doesn't care for this particular player. And it's a little bit odd considering the performances of that guy's teammates. DJ's teammates have also struggled, but they haven't been benched. DJ is the guy that gets benched. That's that's what's more curious and more telling than anything else. He's the one that maybe doesn't have enough clout or enough, um, I don't know, organizational backing to um, to be Teflon to struggles. When he's been bad, and I don't think he was very good against the Spurs. Like I, Let's be clear, he was not good against the Spurs, but he wasn't get bench, lose your job type bad. And perhaps this is just another example of Terry, who is, you know, maybe, maybe coaching for his job or maybe beyond that, maybe just coaching out the string before they make, make a coaching change is just saying, I don't, I want to do it my way. So I'm going to do it this way. I think if you are a listener, who's like really upset about this, cool, I'm with you. I'm probably not there like basketball wise, but I do think it's notable and a little bit, um, I just think it's I think it's notable of sort of the the nuts and bolts of how it went down. But that's enough negativity for one pod. That's like 20 minutes of worrying. Let's close the show with some positivity. The Blazers play a couple good teams this week. Is there any reason that you should feel like they're in a good spot? So we'll talk about in the third segment. But first, let's talk about bet online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. There's NBA games every day. There's NHL games every day. There's Major League Baseball games all day long and all night. And if you don't want to bet on sports, I got you covered for reality TV and awards. All of that come with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Also got real-time news and scores. It's just the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. So head on over to that website, betonline.ag. Use your mobile device or your computer, either one. They all work the same. Just visit betonline.ag. Use that promo code locked on and you receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code locked on over at betonline.ag and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Locked on Blazers. We talked about the Blazers. We talked about Damian Lodge resting. We talked about the Blazers' troubling loss in, in Charlotte and Derek Jones Jr. getting benched. A DNPCD did not play coach's decision. A curious coach's decision, but not particularly surprising if you've been following this team closely. And I would imagine if you listen to this podcast, you follow the team pretty closely. If you don't, Listen, this is a daily daily Blazer show. You can follow it real close. Just make sure you don't miss an episode. But now I want to talk about positivity. Negativity is my wheelhouse. Pessimism is my wheelhouse. It's where I operate. It's where I live. So I'm going to go outside of my comfort zone and offer you real reasons for optimism. The Blazers played good teams this week. Played pretty mediocre teams this weekend. It would have been really nice for them to win both games. The Charlotte game was a a troublingly bad game. Like that was that's just a bad, that's a not a very good looking loss. But now the Blazers come back home on off day Monday and then a really tough back to back Tuesday against the LA Clippers and then Wednesday against the Denver Nuggets. They close out the week Friday against the Grizzlies. Boy howdy, are we going to learn a lot about the Blazers this week? 
Here's why I think it's okay to be optimistic. And the first one is the obvious one. If Damian Lamont, Ollie Lillard is in the lineup, they're going to be better. Everything fits better when you play your best players. Um, I don't know if this Blazers roster makes perfect sense or whatever, but um, it's a talent league and adding more talent will help this team. Damian Lillard makes this team better. Two, Nurk looks better. Nurk looks healthier, better, smarter, sharper. And when he's on the court with Dame, he gets to leverage his skills with more talent around him, and he is better for it. Everyone improves when they play next to better players, but particularly Nurk next to Babo, Fat Man, the letter O. And the third reason for optimism is a combination of those two things. The Blazers have a very good starting lineup with Dame, CJ, and when and Nurk when he is healthy. Along with Robert Covington, who had a weird scoreless game against Charlotte. I didn't mention this, but 0 for 1 in 24 minutes, 7 boards, an assist and a steal. Scoreless. Missed a 3-pointer. Did not take another shot. Truly strange. But Roko's been good. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to worry you too much about that one. But one of the reasons for like real optimism is that in the seven games that Dame, CJ, Rocco, Norman Powell, and Nurk have played together, that group is good. That is a good lineup. Now, uh, some of it is certainly skewed by some uh, the OKC game and and the the Pistons game, and they've only played 101 minutes together, and that is um, relatively few. But in those 101 minutes, that that five, Dame, CJ, Rocco, Nurk, and Norman, have outscored opponents by 18.4 points per 100 possessions. They have a 119.4 offensive rating and a 100.9 defensive rating. I'm not going to um, extrapolate out like, that would be the best in the league because I don't think that's how lineup data works. But I'll say this. Those numbers suggest that this team is really can be really good with that five on the floor. Uh, the depth is still going to be a problem. The back half of the rotation is still going to be a problem. The mellow canter minutes are still going to be a problem. And we'll revisit those things, certainly. But part of the way that you win against the top teams is you just roll the ball out for your best five-man group and you say, please save us. And the Blazers have... The, the three guards with Rocco and Nurk is a very good group. It has been an elite group, a, an excellent, excellent five-man unit. Outsco- that's kicking ass, outscoring teams by, uh, by 18 points per 100 possessions. In fact, according to NBA.com, among the 69 lineups that have been used in the NBA this season for at least 100 minutes... The Dame CJ Norm Rocco Nurk quintuplet has the sixth best net rating in the league. Those t- two Denver lineups, the Knicks second unit with uh, Derek Rose and Emmanuel quickly, the Dallas second unit with Jalen Brunson and Chris Depps Porzingis, but no Luka, the uh, Utah Jazz second unit when uh, Mike Conley sits and they bring in Joe Inglis with the other four starters. Again, that other Denver lineup when, they, when they've brought in Aaron Gordon and then the Portland Trailblazers. That's it. That's the group. The Portland Trailblazers, that 101-minute lineup of, of their quintuplet has been better in just terms of raw net rating. They're also better offensive rating and better defensive rating than the Clippers that they're going to play on Tuesday. Paul George, 
Kawhi Leonard, Pat Bev, Nick Batum, Serge Ibaka. They've played 264 minutes together. They're outscoring teams by 116.7 possessions. That's an elite team, right? Like that looks like that looks like a dominant team. Well, the Blazers' current starting lineup, when healthy, has been has a better net rating. Now, obviously you can't play full 48 minutes with that group. It doesn't even seem like Nurkic can play more than 25 minutes a night. But if there is a reason for optimism, Dame's back, Nurk looks better, and the starting lineup is really good, or is capable of being really good. I think we're going to learn a lot about this team this week. Um, I talked about it. If you didn't if you didn't listen to Friday Show with Jason Quick, I highly, highly recommend it. I think it's one of the best podcasts I've recorded in the last couple months. But we talked about how this weekend might not show us anything. That was before we knew Dame was going to be out. We recorded that on Friday morning, so we weren't, uh, we hadn't, there was no injury report yet to suggest that Dame would rest. But um, I still don't think we learned a bunch. Like, I think Charlotte was really troubling and it's like a bad loss. Um, but I don't think it's like, if, if Dame's not in the lineup, there isn't this sort of like big, big takeaway. <laughs> I mean, the big takeaway is the coach doesn't like Derek Jones Jr., but the sort of like big sort of takeaway you can extrapolate and push out into the world. But I, they're going to play playoff teams this week. Uh, Memphis is Memphis is a humming right up. They look really good, the Grizzlies. They've been they've been playing a lot better. They got Jaron Jackson Jr. back. Uh, depending on you know sort of his injury thing, it's unclear how much and if he'll play Friday. But but they're they're closer to whole than they have been. Uh, obviously, the Clippers and the Nuggets are good, even though the Nuggets lost Jamal Murray. That's still a really good basketball team. Like this week is going to be really telling. I think Sunday's loss was. It was bad news, but if the Blazers are competitive and, and steal a couple wins this week against good teams, Sunday will look like an aberration and a, oh yeah, Dame was out and they played like crap. If they don't steal wins this week, if they don't come away with wins this week, rather, then I think we'll know. Like, I think by the time we get to this space Sunday evening of next week, I think we'll kind of know what this team is. If they're competitive in these games, even when in losses, like they were competitive on Tuesday against the Celtics, I thought that was, um, you know, a loss is a loss is a loss, but they kind of, they just like, okay, they kind of look more competent in this game. If they can look more competent, I think we'll, you know, we, we might still be troubling, oh, they lost again, but you'll, you'll get a sort of a sense of where they are. If they get smoked in, in several of these games and then they, they come around, um, you know, they play the Grizzlies Friday and Sunday. And so if, you know, we'll, it'll be four games before we get there next week. But, you know, by, by this time, by Sunday evening, we'll know if this, this group is, is for real or not. Like if they're ready to make a real push, if, if they, if they wilt and die this week, that might be it. We might be putting a bow on the season. We might say, cool, they're going to play out the string and they're going to get smoked in the playoffs and we'll just keep it moving. Fine. But they have a chance to sort of put themselves they have a chance to erase this bad loss and put themselves where they need to be they haven't done it much we don't have a we don't have a we don't have a sample size to say here's why we th- i think they can do it i think they are tr- i think there are some reasons to be optimistic and i really what i really think what i like truly believe in my heart is that this is a chance this is a chance for them to prove maybe a pessimist like me wrong a chance to prove themselves that they're capable of getting there and a chance to prove you dear listener and and Portland Trailblazers fan i presume that this group can be competitive against good teams and make noise in the postseason if this is a quiet week if this is uh you know if this is a week where they get put away early then then 
maybe we'll have maybe we'll say we'll say goodnight to the season on Sunday. But until then, let's let's know that this is they've got a good they've got a good starting lineup. They're probably going to get their best player back in the lineup, and they've got a chance to to turn things around. The opportunity is there. It's going to be a week that tells us a lot. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to have a traditional mailbag show this week. It is our Mailbag Monday, recorded Monday nights and posted on Tuesdays. We do it each week. Uh, if you sent me a question last week and I promised to put it in special delivery, I haven't lost it. We just didn't, uh, the way the week shook out and the way the interview shook out, we just, I did not get to a second mailbag. Those questions are still there. But if you have another question and you'd like to send me one or you have a new question, there's two ways to do it, at Mike G. Rich on Twitter or email the show, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. Uh, mailbag Monday is a lot of fun. I'd love to have you involved. Also, just tell your friends about this podcast. Tell them they can get it wherever they already listen to podcasts. Just search Locked on Blazers. will be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.